Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Now I know sometimes we face situations that just seem impossible. And they tend to gain strength as time goes by. You know what I'm saying? You let days and weeks, months and years go by. It just seems like it's more impossible than it was when it started. Anybody ever experienced that? I feel in my spirit that there are some people here today, you're just facing some impossible situations. You're looking at some things and you're thinking, this just, you know, it's just impossible. I, I've got to have a breakthrough. This is impossible. If that's you, you know who I'm talking to right now. If that's you, come up here right now. If that's you, come on up right now. If you're facing just seems like an impossible situation. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Now, remember this about impossible situations. We're the ones that gauge it, and we're the ones that measure it. And we're the ones that give it power by the thought of impossibility. Amen. Did you know many times we just empower that in our own minds and through what we say? Well, that's impossible. No way. That can't happen. And we literally empower that problem or that situation. Amen. So first of all, we need a mindset to change. Secondly, we need our words to change. Amen. Thirdly, you need your spiritual eyes to open this morning. And your spiritual ears to open this morning. So you will quit hearing and seeing the impossible but you will start hearing and seeing all things are possible. Amen. Now you've got to make a decision that when I come by and lay hands on you, you're going to shake yourself loose from that impossibility. And from what from whatever it is you were considering impossible when you walked up here, when you go back to your seat, it's not going to be impossible any longer. Sometimes you just need a point of contact to turn that thing around yourself. Amen. How many agree with what I'm saying? Lift your hands up. Come on, lift your hands up. Everyone in the house, lift your hands up. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I release the anointing of God into each and every one of their lives in the name of Jesus. That would seem so impossible. We say no in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we thank you. The anointing of God rises up on the inside of them. Now, in Jesus' name. No longer impossible. No longer impossible in Jesus' name. That's it right there. That's it right there. Receive that. That's it right there. In the name of Jesus. No longer. No longer impossible. No longer in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's it. Receive it in Jesus' name. No longer impossible. Thank you, Lord. That's it right there. Receive that. That's it right there. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now go back to your seat. And say to yourself, it's no longer impossible. All things are possible with God. All things are possible to them that believe. Thank you, Lord God. Go ahead, guys. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord 
sometimes it's difficult to believe. A man came to Jesus one time and God, Jesus told him, all things are possible to you if you'll just believe. And he said, help my, help my unbelief. Now he wasn't wanting to help his unbelief to get stronger. He's helping say, Lord, help it to go away. You know what the word Lord gave him? He gave him the word. And when he gave him the word, he believed the word. It's that simple. He just believed the word and got the miracle he desired. You know, that's all you need is a word from God. A word from God can change any circumstance, any problem, any situation. No matter what it may be, no matter how long it's gone on, that does not matter to God. Time is of no relevance to God whatsoever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. The book of Acts this morning, we've been starting, or we started last week talking about being empowered. Everybody say empowered. You know, the devil would like you to think you're just a weakling, nobody, no good, can't do nothing, can't make it in life. But you know, here's the thing about the devil, he's a liar. But you have to get into the Word of God and get information about what you're empowered with and how to use it. Amen? I mean, if you were empowered with a, with a powerful weapon, say you had, say you had uh, 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 people attacking your house, bandits, robbers, and every time you built something up, they came in and attacked you. Stowed your food, stowed your money, stowed your possessions. Then about the time that you got it all built back up, here they came again, stole it again. Well, it wouldn't be too long. You'd start looking for something that'd work against them. Amen. You'd arm yourself with something, amen, that would be powerful enough to overcome or to overtake whoever it was was stealing from you. Well, you know, God knows that you're still stuck down here on planet Earth. And on this planet, there's still a system, which is the world system, which the devil himself controls and operates, which the bottom line of the devil is he comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, if if he does that, which we know he does, and we had no power whatsoever, what good would that do? We'd just, you know, we'd be stuck down here in a place in which we'd be totally vulnerable to the adversary. But I got good news. You're not totally vulnerable to the adversary. As a matter of fact, as we study being empowered over the next few weeks, I don't believe, God, that you're going to make a complete 360-degree turn in seeing, excuse me, complete 180-degree turn in seeing that We're not vulnerable to the devil. He's vulnerable to us. That no weapon formed against you will prosper. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the earth. That you can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth you. No matter what the devil says. Amen. A friend of mine is a preacher. He made this statement years ago. I thought it was good. He says, you know, you got to understand something about the word of God. The word of God will work for anybody Anywhere. Now think about that for a moment. The Word of God will work for anybody, anywhere. You just have to make make the decision, you're that anybody. You have to make that decision. It's going to work for me. Say, well, it hadn't worked in the past. Get rid of your past. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Let them pass away. Amen? So when you begin to realize God has invested an enormous amount in getting you supplied, in making you dangerous when it comes to the adversary and the hordes of demons, where when you get up in the morning, they should be shaking in their boots. When you begin to realize that you're an overcomer, that you're more than a conqueror, when you begin to realize that, then I guarantee you the intimidation factor of your situation is greatly reduced. 
You say, what do you mean? You walk into a situation and, you know, the banker says or the doctor says, you're not near as intimidated by that. You say, why? Because you know you got more power than that. That there's more power in you than cancer has. That there's more power in you than arthritis has. That there's more power in you than any debt you may have occurred. That there's more power in you than any problem that you may face. That power's in you. Now, a lot of people say, well, why didn't God just come down and do it for me? Well, first of all, it's illegal. You say, what do you mean it's illegal? God has done everything He has done according to the terms of justice. You say, well, who sets that? He does. He says in the Bible, He does all things after the counsel of His own will. So it's His own will. He counseled Himself to set some perimeters. Amen. So therefore, I like to say it like this. According to those perimeters... He has done for you all He's going to do or all He can do. So most people, they get mad right then and there. Well, I tell you what, that's all God can do. No, that's just all you've been able to receive. You, you You have not experienced the fullness yet of what God can do. Let me just say that. I know I've, we've tasted a little bit of it, Lee and I have, but I want you to know if you start tasting of the ability of God and you begin to see how much He can do and how great He can do it and how powerful He is, I tell you, you'll never back away from God again. And that's what God desires for you is to experience that and to see yourself empowered by God, to see yourself as God sees you. Not only that, To see yourself as the devil sees you. I'm going to tell you something about the devil. When he looks at you, he don't like what he sees. Let me try that again. When he looks at... He don't like like what he sees in this building right now. When he looks at us as a church, he don't like what he sees. When he looks at you as an individual, from the day you got born again... When he looks at you, he don't like what he sees. You say, why? Because he sees in the spirit realm. He sees correctly. He sees the truth. You know what he sees when he looks at you? He's looking. He's squinting. He's straining his eyes to see you, but he can't see you. All he can see is Jesus. Now, what he wants to do is convince you that that's not true. He wants to convince you that when he looks at you, he sees you. Weak, poor, broke, discouraged, can barely get get by, been abused your whole life, been ruined, been wrecked. Amen. I mean, that's what he that's what he wants. He wants you to say, Yeah, that's what you that's what you're all about. That's who you are. That's who you're gonna be your whole life. You ought to tell the devil, shut up. Amen. And start making some discoveries of who you are and how gloriously empowered you are. I remember when I graduated from Bible school in 1985, May of 1985. I was blessed. It was about three days later. I was blessed to have uh, to have uh, lunch with Pastor John Osteen, Joel Osteen's dad. And so we were sitting in this restaurant. He and I and another minister. And he was all excited because Bible school had just been letting out. I had just graduated. And he had his Bible there. We were eating. And he just, he just had a way of looking at you, just looking with fire in his eyes. And he said this. He says, you know, Rusty, he said, all that stuff you learned in Bible school, 
He said, there's so much power in that, that if you could release the power of what you learned these last nine months, you could spin the earth in the opposite direction. The sun would come up in the west tomorrow. I don't know if I believed that when he said that, but he did. And I do now. You say, what do you mean? It takes a little experience for you to get to the place to realize that you're more than a conqueror on this earth. That God does not want you defeated. He don't want you sick. He don't want you broke. He don't want you discouraged. He don't want you barely getting by. He wants you restored. He wants you blessed. He wants you healthy. He wants you whole. He wants you prosperous. And listen, where the will of God lines up with a person's will or where your will lines up with the will of God, you're fixing to get a breakthrough. You say, well, all I've ever known is poverty. All I've ever known is sickness. Well, it's time to know something else. All I've ever experienced was defeat. Well, it's time to experience something else. Now, did you find Acts chapter 1? Let's start there see how far we get. How's my time? Acts chapter 1, let's, let's look at verse 4 first. Verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them. I like that word assembled. The word assembled literally relates to something being put together correctly. Have you ever bought something that says assembly required? You know, most men, they try to put it together without the instructions. And then once they ruin it where it has to be taken back to the store, then they read the instructions. Some assembly required. But you know, Jesus is the mainspring. He is the part that needs to be put together with your life. The cornerstone, the foundation, the main part. I'll say it like this. The main part of your life, the main part of your marriage, the main part of your job or your business, the main part of your family, and the main part of the church needs to be Jesus. Now, this is kind of talking to, in a corporate setting because there's, there, there's several people gathered together there. But it says, now, he was put together correctly with them. You know, a lot of churches over the past 2,000 years have done everything they could do to get him out of the assembly. I'd like to say when we have church, Jesus shows up. He shows up and heals bodies, saves souls. He, he, he shows up and restores and refreshes. Amen. Gives revelation knowledge. Causes us all to be uplifted by the time we walk out of here. I'd like to say he shows up. We're not going to disassemble this place and take out the main part. But you know, there's a lot of churches that have done that. They don't believe God heals any longer. Some of them don't even believe in salvation. Well, you know, that's a good concept. Honey, it ain't a concept. It's a reality. Something you better get a hold of before you die. You're going to find out that you really needed it before you, while you lived on this earth. So assembled together with them, commanded them. Now this is unique. It didn't say he made a request or an invitation. Now understand this. He's talking to people who were already born again. You say, what do you mean? Well, you can go over and study in Acts chapter, excuse me, in John chapter 20 and John chapter 21, where Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible says he walked through the wall. He said, handle me. See that I'm flesh and bone. Put your fingers in the scars. Put your finger in the, in, the, in the hole in my side. He said, don't be doubtless, but believe. Then the Bible said he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. 
Well, when he breathed on them, they received the Holy Ghost. What did they receive? They received that dimension of the Holy Ghost, which causes a man or a woman to be born again. They went from death to life. They went from darkness to light. Amen. But now they belong to him. Did you know Jesus says, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. I mean, we need to get rid of this concept. Well, I'm my own person. No, you're not. You belong to Jesus. You belong to God through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So quit trying to be your own person. Quit trying to look for any kind of independence outside of God and work on dependence to God. You'll be a lot better off, I guarantee you. You'll be a lot better off. So he commanded them. Now that's a strong word. Amen. There's not many people in your life you can command. I've got two dogs. One of them I can command. The other one doesn't even care. Husbands, don't ever try to command your wife. And all the wives said, I told you. I tried to command Leah one time. After that, I didn't see her for two weeks. After two weeks, I saw her just a little bit out of this eye when it started to open back up. Be careful who you command. But Jesus has the right to command His children. Amen. So now He's commanding. Notice what He says. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem... But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. Now, either they had the Holy Ghost or they didn't have the Holy Ghost. Well, they had the Holy Ghost. They got the Holy Ghost when they were born again over there in John chapter 20 or 21. But they did not receive this next impartation of the Holy Ghost. They have the Spirit in its dimension in which it abides, but they hadn't yet received the dimension of the Spirit that empowers. That's why he says you need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Wait in Jerusalem till you receive what? He called it a promise. Amen. Now go down to verse 8. It says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, just in reading that, we have to draw the conclusion to this. There must be a dimension of power unavailable to those who are just born again. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not diminish in any way the power of the new birth. Amen. I mean, getting born again, that takes you out of death and brings you into life. It takes you out of darkness and brings you into life. I mean, it is a radical, it's not a change, it's being made brand new. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. We're buried with him in baptism through death so that like as Christ was raised from the dead, even so also we walk in newness of life. When you got born again, you were not changed, you were made brand new. So in no way do I diminish the power of the new birth or of being born again. But now if Jesus says, 
You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That must mean there is a dimension of power unavailable to those that are just born again. That's not my opinion. That's what the Bible says. That is exactly what the Bible is saying right here. There is some more power. I like to say it like this. You've got power, but there's some more. You've got power, but there's some more. Amen. It's kind of like having a motor in your car that you don't know that much about. And you go to the, to the mechanic to get something done. And the mechanic says, well, do you see this switch right here? Say, yeah. Say, well, you know, if you push this switch right here, you got twice the power. Really? I didn't know that. See, that's a lot of people's problem. They don't know anything about the switch. The switch of faith that turns that power on. The first ATV I ever bought was a Polaris four-wheeler. And we had it, we used it over in, in, in Winnie over there to, to hunt with. And uh, one time I got on that thing and it wouldn't start. And I tried and tried and tried to start that. And, just, and so I put that thing on the trailer and I... You know, the next the, 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 uh, the, the place where I bought it wasn't open until Tuesday. This was on a Saturday. So on Tuesday, I kind of drove up there with an attitude. This piece of junk I paid all this money for here, and now it won't start. And so I, dro- I drove it in there, and, and, uh, and the mechanic came out and said, What's wrong? I explained what was wrong. He said, Now, did you know that there's a kill switch right here? And he says, Now, this kill switch is on. I was like... I was like, oh, okay, you know. So he, he flipped it on and he reached up there and, and started right up. Vroom, vroom. And he said, do you think that was the problem? And you know what I said? I said, no, that ain't the problem. Because that wasn't the problem. I was the problem. There was nothing wrong with the bike, the motor, the ignition, the gas, or the kill switch. There was nothing wrong with any of that. There was something wrong with the operator. I said, thank you. He said, that'll be $35. I didn't even blink. Sometimes you pay a price for ignorance, amen? So there's a dimension of power that God wants you to have that's even greater or more than the power of salvation. Now notice this. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now that's what I want to do. I want to get to that one word this morning. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be. Now I think that's one of the problems we have in faith or in Christianity, whatever you want to call it. We got too many people trying to do instead of being. My senior year at Ball High in 1974, the disco craze was hitting on all cylinders. 
Now, I went to Ball High. And if you go to Ball High, everybody's black. People say, well, I, say, I was a black guy at Ball High. That was me. And I had some friends that, brother, they could dance. They wore those big high-platform shoes and those big bell-bottoms and those silky shirts. And, man, they had that strut, that stroll down the hall. Then I had some white friends that they thought they could dress like that, look like that with those shirts and a high head. And they're stumbling down the hall, you know. Now, the difference in the two was one group B, the other group do. The group that B didn't have no problem. They didn't have to go take walking lessons, dancing lessons, strutting lessons, cool lessons, anything like that. But the other guys, they were trying to do what the other guys be, and they looked goofy. They just looked goofy. They should have kept on their Hobie t-shirt, you know, and their surfer shoes. Amen. Now, that's a lot of people's problem right there. When they get saved, they have an idea or they have an imprint in them on what they're supposed to do. So they'll go out trying to do it and they always get frustrated. Well, I've been trying to do this thing for 20 years. That's your problem. You've been trying to do it for 20 years. When God never called you to do it, He called you to be it. And it's the Holy Ghost that empowers you to be, not to do. Now, what you be has to do with your identification. Each and every one of us have an individual dimension of identification that's unique to each and every one of us. That makes us all different. We can generalize ourselves ethnically, Caucasian, African American, Hispanic. You don't have to go take lessons, go to a special course. Say, well, you know, my name is Gonzalez, but man, I, I feel like a McMullen. So I'm going to go down to Galveston College and see if they teach a course on how to be Gonzalez instead of McMullen. Well, you're not going to find a course like that. You're going to run into somebody going to look at you and say, Honey, you're a Mexican. Just be one. Quit trying to do it. Amen? I mean, your gender... You shouldn't struggle with your gender. If you're struggling with your gender, we'll cast that devil out of you. I'll say that. Observation should give you a revelation. If there's no observation through revelation, let us pray for you. But I, when I got up this morning, I didn't wonder when I looked in the mirror. Hmm. I wonder if I turned into a woman last night. <laughs> oh, my. Thought didn't even cross my mind. Because I'd be a man for 54 years. I'd be a man for so long, I don't even struggle with those thoughts any longer. Why? Because being a man is not something I do. It's something that I be. It's, quote, natural. If you just be what you are naturally, then that's what you be. It's not that hard. Now, 
God shows us very plainly, Jesus is speaking here, red letters in your Bible. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why? So that there can be an identification change. So that the preeminent thing that you be, it's greater than your ethnic background, greater than your geographical location, even greater than your gender if you'll study the Bible. Is that you be what God says you be, which instead of being sick, you be healed. Instead of being weak, you be strong. Instead of being uh, poor, you be blessed. You've got to begin to see yourself identified now with who you are and having the Holy Ghost to come upon you to empower you. See, it takes some supernatural power to change what you be. You can change what you do. Let me, let me try that again. You can change what you do. But only God can change what you be. You say, what do you mean? Before you got born again, you be a sinner. You be unrighteous. You be outside of the covenant of God. But when you got born again, you became a new creature in Christ Jesus. You became a child of Almighty God. And the problem is, is we take the mirror of the world instead of the mirror of the Word of God and we try to make adjustments in the mirror of the world by doing things through willpower that tries to convince others that some type of change is taking place. And the number one person we try to convince is ourselves. And then when when what we do does not work... We get frustrated. We get frustrated. Well, I've been trying to do that faith thing for years and not working for it. That's your problem. Well, I've 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 been trying to do the right thing. That's what we'll say. I'm trying to do the right thing. You know, when you say things like that, what you're saying is there is options in my life and I'm doing my best to side with the right option. But because there's a pull in the other direction, it's difficult. And the reason there's a pull in the other direction is because you haven't realized that what you do is really what you be. Amen. If you try to convince somebody that there's something that they're not, did you know you'll frustrate yourself? I mean, if you pick out somebody and say, you know, I got somebody in my I'm going to try it all week long. I'm going to try to convince them they're an alligator. And they need to be living in the bio and eating fish. Now you think about that a minute. You say, that's absurd. That's absurd trying to convince somebody they're an alligator. You say, why? They don't look like an alligator. They don't walk like an alligator. They don't talk like an alligator. They don't smell like an alligator. But you're trying to convince them that they are? Now, see, we do the same thing. We take people that just get born again. And we try to convince them. We try to convince them. Oh, you're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You're a child of God. But see, that all they have, all they have is this recollection of what they used to be. And what they used to be was represented by their behavior. 
They were identified with their behavior and that classified them in who they used to be. Now they've come out of that and they're what? Paul classified it as this. Now you're a newborn babe and you need the what? Sincere milk of the Word of God. So you have to take your time and you have to exhort people. Yeah, you, you are now a new creature. You are now blessed of God. You be something that you never were. But take your time and walk into it by faith. If you don't, you'll, try to, you'll begin to try to do something that you be, even though you're not equipped to do it yet, even though you be it. Now think about this. This will help you. When you're born onto this earth, you're born a human being. You're as much a human being as you're ever going to be. But at age three days, we don't give you a driver's license. And if you were to go to that baby in that crib say, why aren't you driving? You need to get out of that crib, get you a job, and pay some bills around here. <laughs> Did you know they have all the faculties that they need. They have fingers. They have eyes that can read, ears that can hear, fingers that move, hands that work, arms that work, legs that work, feet that work. All of that works, doesn't it? And so if you were to come up on them and criticize them because of their... Your behavior is horrible. (laughs) Just terrible. Look at you laying there crying. What is wrong with you? Get up out of there. Get a job. Pay some of these bills around here that you've charged up at this hospital. (laughs) If you treat that baby like that, when he is 30 years old, he's going to still be laying that crib going, wah! Because you've tried to force him to do something instead of just concentrating on what he is now. How do parents talk to their child? Oh, you're our little baby, our little darling, our little sweetheart. We love you. They do what? They confirm and reaffirm who they are. Your mama's little blessing, your daddy's little blessing, your daddy's girl, your daddy's, your daddy's little man. You begin to reaffirm before you expect behavior. You're smart. I began to tell Breland she was smart before she ever went to school. You're smart. You can do those problems. She makes straight A's now. Sometimes she gets a B or something like that. She's not perfect, but she does good. You're smart. You can do that. She'll have frustration sometime in math and things. And I say, now you can do that. She'll go do it. You say, why? Because we started a long time. Before she could do any of that, we put that in her. That being smart was not something she was going to have to do, but being smart was something that she was. Now, you think God will treat you any differently? Some of you, you've come out of sin, you've come out of problems and situations, and basically you've bit off more than you can chew. You want this whole big colossal thing of the the mistake that used to be your life. (laughs) You know, to be fixed with one turn of the wrench. When what you really need to do is just forget about all of that, even though it may still be affecting your life. But forget about all that and start concentrating on, now who does God say that I am? Because He's the God that created the world, so He's right. The sun comes up in the east, He's right. Sets in the west, He's put it in order, He's right. It's 
Warm in July, cold in January. He put it in order. He's right. He's smarter than me. He knows more than me. He's been around longer than I have. He'll be around longer than I will be. He loves me. He cares about me. So it may be more important for me to begin to focus on what He says about me than it is on me through my own willpower trying to, trying to change my behavior because I am now a, quote, Christian. That's where you get frustrated. So what you do is you begin to dig. That's what I did when I, 26, 27 years ago, I began, I, my, my behavior was, you know, was terrible. There was a whole lot of stuff I immediately stopped doing, but there wasn't a whole lot of stuff I started doing. He said, what do you mean? I took my time. I got into the Word. I don't know. There was really nobody around to teach me. I was around some good ministers. But just because I would pray in the Holy Ghost every day and dig into the Word, and I begin to see things, especially in the Bible, in the letters that Paul wrote to the church, that identified, that begin to give me or begin to paint the picture of who I was now. I'm a new creature. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm more than a conqueror. Amen. I'm blessed and not cursed. Cannot be cursed. And when I begin to reaffirm that into my own spirit by confirming it through my confession, did you know that became my reality? Amen. Now doing things became second nature. All of you may have something that you can do as second nature. If you played baseball for years, you don't have to be taught how to play baseball. Amen. I've, I've served for 37 years. I don't need another lesson. I can go out there in the, in, the, in the surf and not even think about surfing. Not even think about it. Have my mind on 20 different things. I've had it happen dozens of times. Have my mind on 20 different things going on at the house, going on at the church, and catch wave after wave and not even realize mentally what I'm doing because my body and mind is trained for 37 years to do that. Don't even think about what I'm doing. When I started, it was something that I did. 37 years later, it's something that I am. So you start by what? Doing something instead of trying to overcome all the major giants of your life and killing them and knock it down. Why don't you prepare yourself to do it? By getting into the Word of God. That's good. When David walked on that field, he didn't consider himself a weakling. He didn't consider, and he just didn't pop up out of the brush somewhere. Hey, I'm going to give this a try. God had affirmed and reaffirmed in him. Hey, David, you're my man. He sent Samuel to his house, poured oil on his head, said, God said, you're my man. There's something different about you. You're not like all these other guys. There's something different about you. And so David, with that in mind, Knowing that's what he was. Killed a lion. Because that's who he'd be. Be a lion killer. Then he killed a bear. He became a lion and bear killer. That's who he'd be. Then he killed a giant. And that's who he'd be. And more people know him as the giant killer, even though he became the king of Israel. More people know him as the giant killer than anything else. Because what he did became what he was. So that one thing you've done, which is what? Believed in your heart. Confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. What did that do? That made a tremendous impartation of the life and power of God into your spirit. 
Now, don't try to walk into another set of, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. No, what you need to do is the same thing we do for that little baby. You need food and exercise. The bread of life, the Word of God, that's what you need. And you need prayer. So Jesus came to his disciples and started looking at them and said, Man, if I tell them to do this, they're going to mess it up big time. Peter probably tried to chop off somebody's ear. Look at the record of what they tried to do before. Acts chapter, excuse me, Luke chapter 9, they came to and said, You know, Jesus, we came uh, uh, to your disciples to cast the devil out of my son. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Well, Jesus knew that one day there would be something so powerful that it would change their identity from a Jewish fisherman to an apostle of the Lamb. So he said, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be Witnesses. That word witness means an evidence producer. Amen. Amen. Did you know that's what God wants you to be is an evidence producer? Now, with that in mind, maybe this week, before we come back next week or next Thursday night, go study the evidence of the book of Acts. What was their evidence? What was their evidence? A feeding program? Yes. They had a good feeding program, Acts chapter 6. Amen? But that's the only time we see it. So there wasn't a great emphasis on that. Amen? Uh, a good softball team. Not in there, is it? You have individuals that had no fear in them whatsoever. You had individuals, even though they were classified by the hierarchy of religion as ignorant and unlearned, unafraid of those that were intellectually bigger than they were, and still walked fearlessly in front of them, producing signs, wonders, and miracles. Supernaturally preached the Word of God, supernaturally lived on this earth, supernaturally did the will of God, evangelized the known world, to the point that the Apostle Paul, when he would come into cities, they would say, we don't want you here. You're that guy that has turned the world upside down with your doctrine. But see, Paul spent 14 years in the Arabian desert finding out who he'd be before God let him do. You see what I'm saying? So here's what God's trying to do for you. He's trying to empower you with a new knowledge of identification. You may be black, you may be white, you may be Hispanic. That's all right. You may be male, you may be female. That's all right. You may live in Galveston, you may live in Hitchcock, you may live in... uh, 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 um, Lamar, Texas City, all of those different identifying traits of your life, you will find out they're not that big a deal. I mean, if somebody came up to me and and took out a gun and pointed at me and said, deny you're a man or I'll blow your brains out. You know what I'm going to say? Have you seen my purse? You think I'm going to die over that? (laughs) 
Or if they pulled a gun on me and said, deny you're white. I'm going to say, what's happening? (laughs) What it is. I ain't dying over that. Take the same person with the same gun. Pull it on me and say, deny that you're born again. Deny that Jesus is Lord. Deny that the blood has cleansed you. Deny deny that the cross has broken the power of the devil over your life. Just deny it or I'll kill you. I'd say, hey, pull the trigger. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You'd do the same thing. That shows you the true reality of what you be is stronger than your skin color, stronger than your gender, stronger than your geographical location, stronger than anything. So then why are you struggling with who you be? It's an empowerment issue. Jesus commanded what? That we be filled with the Holy Ghost. And in so doing, we can begin the journey of discovering who we be. And when you see who you be, it will change what you do. Amen? Now, we'll take that to the next level next week, but that's exactly the reality of the whole thing. When you see who you be, it will change what you do. I've had people say, I'd never lay hands on people like that. That's because you don't see who you be yet. I'd never, I'd never say those things about the devil. That's because you don't see who you be yet. Oh, I'd be careful what I said about the devil. Why? It's about time somebody said the truth of the reality. But when you begin to see who you be, it'll change what you do. And there is no other identifying characteristic of your life that will be stronger. I'm a child of God. I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the earth. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's under my feet. I walk on serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm me. It's not what I'm doing. That's who I be. Amen. Amen. Lift up your hands and thank God. Lift up your hands and thank God this morning. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Did you get something out of that this morning? Praise the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed real quick. Let me just say this. God loves you so much. He's not mad at you. Not angry. Doesn't want to squish you like a bug. Jesus is a choice. The most important choice that an individual could ever make in his lifetime. It's not who to marry. It's not where to live. It's not what profession to be in. The most important choice a man or a woman can ever make is the choice that has to do with Jesus. To choose to receive Him as Lord and Savior or not to. Not to is to choose to deny Him. Say, well, I don't deny Him, I just don't receive Him. Well, there's, there's no difference there. So if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you need to. God loves you. You don't want to be something other than a child of God. You say, why? Because it's only the children that get to go into the house. And when I say the house, I mean heaven. You say, you don't really believe, Pastor, that if I'm not a Christian, I can't go to heaven. If I don't confess Jesus is my Lord, I can't go to heaven. 
I don't believe it, I know it. It's what the Bible says. And the reason is not because of what you have or have not done. The reason is because of who you be. You're either a child of God or you're a child of God's adversary, the devil. I didn't say that. Jesus did. That's what he said. So if you're here this morning and you're not living right, maybe you're a a believer and you're just frustrated. You haven't been living right. You're not doing right. You've been trying to do this thing instead of trying to be what God's called you to be. And you're frustrated. You've had some setbacks. You're not living right. You're not doing right. I'm talking to you too. We want everybody restored this morning. Everybody blessed. Everybody to receive. Everybody to walk out of this place knowing they're right with God and that they be a child of God. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm not. I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I need to be right with God. I want to pray with you. Lift your hand up high so I can see it. One hand, two hands, three hands. Anybody else? Four hands. Anybody else? You can put your hand down once you've raised it. Once you've raised it, you can put it down. You don't have to raise it a second time. I'm going to look one more time. Four people have raised their hands unashamedly. Five. Anyone else right now would want to raise their hand? If you haven't raised your hand, raise your hand right now. I see that other hand. God bless you. One more time. I'm going to look. One more time. If you've not raised your hand and you need to, you know if you need to. You don't need your arm twisted. You know if you need to. Amen. We see that other hand. God bless you. Everybody look this way. First of all, I've said it several times. God loves you. But you know, we at Island Church, we love you. That's one of the way God loves you is he loves you through people. And we don't want to make examples of anybody. Don't think that anybody here would judge you. Say, oh, look at that old sinner, that old person. What have they been doing? Nobody here is like that. We've all been right where you are right now. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask the crowd to stand. They're going to stand. And they're going to begin to give a loud, joyous applause. And it's not for my great preaching. It's not for our great music. That applause is for you specifically. To encourage you to get out of your seat and do what you said you'd do by raising your hand. Come down here. Let me pray with you. Let's get things right. They're going to do everything they can do to say, we support you. We've been praying that you'd come. We're praying that you'd hear the message. We're praying that you'd respond. And as you come down here, that's what they're doing. They're rejoicing and they're just basically clapping you right down here to this altar to get right with God. Am I right, church? God. Our mind is not our friend when it comes to spiritual things. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but it is true. There's, even for me, I've been serving God faithfully in the ministry now for almost 27 years. And I still have fights in my mind intellectually. But what I learned over the years is to allow my spirit to grow bigger than my mind. And that way my mind couldn't dominate me. There's probably all kinds of things going on in your mind right now. How can just a prayer do anything? How can, how can, how can any of that, how can I really need, I need just a new lifestyle, new life. I need it right now. I need somebody just to hand it to me. Well, here's the thing. God is a God of words. He created the world with his words. He created life with his words. He created the sun, the moon, everything, even the, even the, 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 the molecules and atoms of this pulpit, this mic stand, these plants, they're all made out of the Word of God. So He is a what? He is an individual that does things by His Word. Now that makes a very interesting point because then God 
made us in his likeness and image. Now, I always ask this question to those that come up front. Will you take God at his word? How about you? Of course. How about you? Take God at his word. 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 Now, what kind of God would God be if he expected you to take him at his word? Then he made you in his likeness and image. Are you with me? He made you in his likeness and image, but he doesn't take you at your word. Be an unjust God. But the good news is, he's not like that. You take him at his word, he's going to take you at your word today. That's why all you need is a prayer. All you need is to open your heart, be honest with yourself, be honest with God. God will accept you just as you are. And when he accepts you just as you are, and you release those words of forgiveness, help me, Lord, I I need strength. He's still saying, I believe you. I'm taking you at your word. Amen. Now, I want you to pray out loud so your own ears can hear what your voice is saying. Amen. Say out loud, Heavenly Father, right now, openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Areas of life that do not please you. Lord Jesus, I ask your forgiveness, confessing it to you, Lord, and you alone. Thanking you right now as I give these words. Your blood cleanses me from all sin, from all unrighteousness. Lord, you know my life. You know how I struggle. You know my weaknesses. You know everything in me. So I'm asking you today, help me, Lord. Help me to be what you've created me to be. Help me to believe, to believe, to be strong, to be healthy, to be prosperous, to be the overcomer that you've destined me to be. For that is the way I was born again. I may not have been born that way, but I've been born again that way. Thank you, Lord. Right now, as I stand at this altar, everything is okay between you and I. I'm forgiven. I'm restored. I'm right with God. I thank you for the peace of God and I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give them a big hand clap. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 7.30. Thursday evening, midweek service, 7.30. We are located 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.